Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast Supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Phil Tiger. Slacker Hello Slackers, welcome to the Slacker Podcast, episode 3 of season 4. This week it is with BB Bridgers. Um, this season's range of guests is ridiculous. We have so many amazing artists lined up for you. I don't know if I've actually announced everybody who's coming up on the podcast, but I'll, I'll go through it now. Next week we've got Johnny Burrell, the week after that KSI, then Phineas, then Sleaford Mods, then Bob Geldof, then Haim... Then Leanne Le Havas, Alan McGee, MJ Cole, Enter Shikari, Idols, Sean Paul, Jarvis Cocker, and I have recorded three separate podcasts um, this week to add to that, and I'm just going to keep them going. That is the sort of content that you're getting here on the Slacker Podcast. If you like the idea of that or those, and you want the podcast to drop in uh, to your RSS feed... Uh, every single week then do me a favor and subscribe to the podcast and leave us a little review as well uh, if you want to go further than that you can jump onto the patreon page because i'm doing exclusive podcasts uh for patrons i'm just about to record um a little one now um i put up weekly slacker playlists uh live podcasts lots of youtube content and yeah like i'm, I'm putting loads of stuff up on the on the patreon so if you want to support independent content makers if you can for the price of whatever it is like was it three dollars 99 uh, a month what's that like a, a cup of tea it's like less than a pint <laughs> um uh, that would be incredible pa- patreon.com forward slash slack podcast and if not then um just keep on enjoying the free content anyway because uh, i know times are tight and you're absolutely sound and i want you to listen to this and share it as many people as possible. Um, this week, uh, our portrait of a patron um, is Jiren Shoup, who has told us that her favourite um, album is David Bowie's Honky Dory. Favourite band is the 1975. The best release is The Birthday Party by the 1975, and her worst band is Imagine Dragons. She just says, I'm not a fan. I just can't. <laughs> um so right we're moving on now to uh today's podcast and just before we get to today's podcast um i kind of wanted to ask you what you thought about the slacker friends music panel show that i've I've started doing we're on episode two 
uh, at the moment. I've been dropping them on Sundays, which I'm going to change to Fridays now because the last couple of weeks I've ended up working seven days in a row actually, without days off, and it's starting to affect my mental health. I am starting to feel threadbare. So I'm going back. I'm taking a day off. I'm going to start putting the Slacker podcast out on Tuesdays, Slacker Friends podcast out on Fridays. On Saturdays, I'm going to lie on my big fat ass and I'm going to do absolutely nothing. And I'm going to do a bit of self-care. How about that? Um, also, you can go and subscribe to my new Slacker YouTube channel, which I'll put a link to below. We've got album reviews of Haim, Phoebe Bridgers and Wiley um, this week and loads of music industry bids and loads of other stuff. Anyway, if you've just joined the, the uh, in and this is the first time you've listened to the Slacker podcast, I don't normally ramble about stuff like maybe I do. <laughs> um, but yeah, if you're fresh to this and you're just coming in because of Phoebe Bridgers, then welcome to um, this podcast where we play early demos from incredible artists and talk absolute nonsense for an hour. Here she is. With her new album Punisher, which is out now, which I give a nine out of ten on my Slacker um, YouTube channel, uh, she's the best. She's incredible. Will you hear the story about her playing my club night in two thousand and eighteen? It's ridiculous. Slacker podcast with Phoebe Bridgers in three, two, one. Okay, joining me on the Slacker podcast this week, we've got Phoebe Bridgers. Phoebe, where where are you locking down? <clears throat> Echo Park, Los Angeles. You in your fam family home, or are you on uh, your own place? My own place. Why? Like, you, uh, you, I mean, you say that like rolling your eyes, as in like, would it be tough to lock down with your folks? Do you think? Oh my god, it would be so tough. I'm no, I feel very lucky to have. There's like a yard too. It's great. Um, but LA's weird because it's. I don't know if you have this where you are, but it's like there are so many people who are just like, this is vacation. I'm going to go on a jog like 24 <laughs> seven. Yeah. And LA is like full of that. So it's like hard to even really leave the house. It's kind of a bit like that over here as well. Like I think the smaller, like I'm from a small town. So like I've been living in London, I've been in Brighton, but back in my hometown, like my, I'm on the phone to my mom and she's like, nobody's social distancing. They're all walking into each other's houses. Like, it's like they don't have a fucking television anywhere. <laughs> It's like a mom's dream to like tell everybody what to do all the time. I talked to a journalist in Germany who said that their friend was Zooming with like 10 of their friends and got the cops called on her because they thought she was having a party. <laughs> I mean, that's so it. Funny. It's all like, it's all a solo rave right now. It's all a solo party. Although like I found that actually like last Friday I was on a Zoom thing with a couple of my friends and family for about five or six hours and we were all drinking quite a lot and i woke up the next day with like my brain had tricked itself into thinking that it was like i'd, I'd gone for a night out the night before that's kind of nice yeah exactly i think the, the the key is just get like obliterated obliterated yeah throughout this whole thing <laughs> i saw a tweet that made me laugh it was like about to hit rock bottom does anybody want anything <laughs> What, what do you what, like what do you want brought back from the end of the world um i don't know i keep thinking about hitchhiker's guide to the galaxy or mm. they go to the restaurant at the end of the world yeah yeah i do i do want to sit at a diner for like 24 hours when this is done i feel you know it, what I mean? yeah what do you call the robot in the the depressed robot in um hitchhiker's guide to the galaxy oh martin yeah martin i think he's like a he's like a it feels like a musical spirit animal to some of your your tunes like 
he's an icon. He's an icon, <laughs> cultural icon. You know, I was like, I was setting all this up um, today. I say setting this up, like plugging plug it in a microphone and like pointing it. Um, and my, my missus said, she was like, get rid of those dead flowers. And I was like, no, I think like for this one, I'm going to keep it. <laughs> oh, I have those two on my desk. Yeah, that's uh, funny. Per- I, I got flowers when this all started and they're so dead. But I like refuse to take them off my mm-hmm. desk. Yeah, not until they've completely decomposed. We shake the table and Actually, they all weather away. I have more. <laughs> <laughs> and a wreath from Christmas. Oh my god! All right, you win. You like in the <laughs> in the in the. I mean, your your Zoom name. Um, actually, I can't. I'm not going to give your Zoom name out because like you just get randoms, hadn't you? I was just about it. <laughs> it, it ends in it ends in six six six. That's all I'm going to say. <laughs> um. So like, obviously, like everything's kind of ramping back up for you. Oh, like I mean, it was ramping back up, but it still kind of is because like you got a record that you're, that's coming out in um in June. And mm-hmm. I I cannot wait. Like, uh, uh, you've been you've been so fucking prolific. Like this, year, like the last couple of years. Like, you know, you, the Stranger in Alps came out, and then your two side projects came out, and then another album. Like, you're on fire at the minute. Thanks, dude. Um. So, like, the idea for the podcast is like we'll play um, an early demo at the at the very beginning, and I mean some of the demos that we've had over the years like i mean johnny marr playing a playing a special smith's demo that had never been heard before um some That's like amazing. yeah some really really random ones that we've had some have been sounded manic street preachers demo sounded so bad it sounded like a dictaphone sellotape to a cow's udder it was just deep like um the demo we've got from you is like one of my the the song i think that kicked it all off for for my love for your music anyway it was motion sickness and uh yeah here here's a little blast of it
So there you go, not one demo, but two demos um, this week from Phoebe Bridgers. Uh, the demo is of uh, motion sickness, uh, or is it um, saved um, in the version I've got? Motion sickness demo in brackets, I hate you. Yeah. Was that like a message to the person you were sending it to, or was that the title of a uh, potential title of the song? It was the potential. It was. It was just the first lyrics that I wrote for it were the first lyrics lyrics of the song, which are literally "I hate you." Mm. So, classic. So, uh, yeah. And uh, can you remember like when that was made? Like, what's the sort of timestamp around that? Yeah, I think I was in. Well, it was 2016, and I was in Idaho. Um, I was in between tours. It was I was on tour with Julian Baker. And then my agent called me and was like, do you want to go on tour with the Violent Femmes five days after you are done with Julian Baker? I was like, absolutely. So um, so it ended in Montana. And then it, and then Violent Femmes was going to start up. Or it ended, it ended in like Portland or something. But it, I was already very, very deep into that corner of the world. And then Violent Femmes was going to start on the exact same corner of the world. And so I like, my drummer was from Idaho and I had been to his like beautiful hometown before. And I was like, I want to just like haul up and like write a bunch of music in some cabin by myself. Yeah. You, and, you went full Bonnie Ver with it. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I want to get very Bonnie Ver with it. I think I made that joke uh, on my internet, like way later once I, you know, I'd written two songs. I wrote my song. So smoke signals and I wrote motion sickness there. <clears throat> and Shit, that the, place is like the hit factory, right? <laughs> yeah, so I'm like, I gotta go back there. Yeah, but I was, but um, Rob Moose, who plays and arranges all the strings on my records, also arranges and plays all the strings on Bonnie Bear records. Um, <laughs> okay, and 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 I think he commented and was like, I have a type, I guess. Yeah, exactly. Like I mean, in the cabin, it looks like you're in a cabin right now. Yeah. Yeah, it's cavity in here. It looks like a. Do you know what it looks like? It looks like a Swedish sauna. Totally. <laughs> it it can be like that when it's like hundred and five degrees. If you start pouring water over coals and you hear sizzling on the podcast, you'll know exactly <laughs> what, what what Phoebe's doing. So like motion sickness wasn't really one of the. It wasn't like a furative track. It wasn't like one of the first ones that you you you'd written. It was something that came cl quite close to recording, um, the album. Well. Yeah, because we, we recorded the album over the course of over a year where it was like on and off and everybody who was working on it was not getting paid. So it, it was like kind of like a giant favor to everybody. Um, Did you have a label at that time? No, I, I, I sold um, my record to the label, which I really wanted to do because the only thing I had out was this very, very acoustic stripped back thing and i was afraid people were gonna sign me as like a country artist or something yeah 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 I and i didn't have that much power and and i didn't know what my music sounded like honestly um so i just had all these like folk songs that i knew i didn't want to be folk songs um i knew i wanted to record them in like some sort of cool way so i met tony berg producer we started he was doing it for free like pulling all his weight in and like you know getting rob moose to play strings and very awesome scene mm -hmm. uh and then uh yeah and then i was so butthurt because i was like <laughs> i was like i want to finish this now and like it's taken forever and uh like oh, i'm so ready all the songs are ready and there was this one day when after the idaho trip mm 
mm-hmm. there was one day where uh i think we'd recorded motion sickness or maybe not yet um but there was one day after the idaho trip where tony i played tony a new song that was an old song that i had planned on putting on the record and he was like this sucks really like is he that direct to you like is he like this song's shit yeah he was just like this isn't as good as like the other shit and and i was like so upset and then i played i was like this isn't even a real song like the reason i didn't submit smoke signals for this podcast is because there is no demo like the first time i really played it all the way through was when we recorded it that day yeah, it took us yeah. like a day. and motion sickness was supposed to be like a julian baker style like maybe it's because i was just on tour with her but it was supposed to like start really quiet and then get like kind of epic at the end it was not supposed to be like a rock song at all um tony's a great producer uh but yeah i was so upset and uh he's like that's not a real song and then i showed him my other two ideas and we and we <laughs> went from there do you know what it kind of reminds do you ever watch have you ever watched that uh, metallica documentary some kind of monster <laughs> no i want to oh though. my god you I, have, I have to right it's 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 Basically, I think they must be in their late 40s at that stage, and they're just like, they're in the studio, and Kirk Hammett, the guitar guitarist, is playing a guitar solo, and Lars Ulrich, the little like um, drummer, is like yelling at him, going, that's not the guitar solo the best guitarist in the world would play. <laughs> I'm kind of getting that vibe, that like, you're Kirk Hammett, and he's Lars yes. Ulrich. <laughs> yes. Well, I think we're, because then Ethan Gruska, who co-produces the records, he, um, is like the peacekeeper he yeah. has like generalized anxiety disorder does not want anybody to be fighting um is way more likely if someone like if someone says ethan you suck he's likely to be like yeah, yeah, yeah you're probably right <laughs> you know <laughs> like he's the sweetest oh, god bless so him i want to give him a dynamic. hug it's great so like when you have the record done and you sort of bring it around the labels like do you, do you have like a like a fear in the back of your head that nobody will pick it up or were you just like completely like blown away by it and you knew it was going to go to where it went to? I, I didn't have a fear that nobody was going to pick it up. Cause I think along the way we had met some people, but I didn't know how I went head first into dealing with like label politics. I'm also like when I had the idea to just try to find someone who would record the record for free and then sell it to a label because you know, I had gotten offers that were pretty insanely dismal before I made my record. Yeah. And I was like, this isn't going to work or pay for my life, which I'm glad I knew. Um, And then, and people were like, yeah, that's probably, that's, that, that might be smart. I don't know. Are you on top, are you on top of like the, the politics of it? Are you on top of like, um, are you somebody who goes into the boardroom with the fine, fine marker and just goes, this ain't going to work, bub. (laughs) (laughs) um i i definitely am i'm fascinated by that stuff and i respect people who read the fine print yeah but i do not i just i have an awesome lawyer uh that i really trust and my manager like i make them read the fine print so that then i can pretend like i did Mm -hmm. and walk into the boardroom and go like yeah exactly you sit there you sit here Mm -mm. It's like it's 2020. It's not Motown. Like you need a you need a fair bite of the pie. Like the music industry is yeah. not not exactly um, well renowned for being completely artist friendly. I always feel like it, yeah. when the money trickles down from, like if you take a percentage of like each 
record sale or whatever like a traditional album sale like the last person to get paid is always the the artist and it's always it's always that way in creative industries like yeah you're doing it for exposure dude yeah oh, you know? man, the, the amount of i'm t- exposure rich <laughs> yeah exactly i pay my rent and exposure you know yeah <laughs> I, I just i just flash my landlord i'm like going listen i got so much exposure man <laughs> i'm gonna expose myself to everyone <laughs> yeah but like you do get that like i mean i played in bands for a long time like maybe like 10 years from 14 to 23 or 24 and yeah like we played so many gigs that were just for that like did you have to go through that as well of like paying your dues not that you should have to but like did you do a lot of those like toilet circuit gigs those gigs and shopping centers shopping malls totally it's just the fun part of that is i didn't know that it sucked like i was like oh my god you guys are never gonna believe it um there's this gig that i got that's gonna be amazing and it was in like a pizza restaurant i'm not kidding i i played the pizza restaurant by my parents house for like most of my life they would like weirdly give you like 300 bucks as long as you what for like three hours yeah they really wanted live music holy like I've never heard of music in a pizza restaurant generally. I mean, I worked in a pizza restaurant for a bit and they banned my music taste because I was playing Jimi Hendrix. Not that that was that like <laughs> mental, but like $300, like, like how old were you when you were like getting played that, uh, getting paid that? Literally like 12 or 13, but think about it. It's mm-hmm. like, I would play, I would put a full band together of my other little kid friends and then our parents would come and get wasted for like three hours. <laughs> yeah. Like they're, they probably made like so much money off of uh-huh. us, you know? What's a, tw- um, what's a 12 year old spend, spend 300 bucks on? You must've been like the king of the school or queen of the school. Yeah. What, well, I would have to split it with my like eight friends. And so like nothing. <laughs> yeah. I, I used to put on like um, club nights when I was in, um, back in my hometown there was no live music for quite a while so I put on all the live music and we used to bribe the bouncers to let in anybody that was um 16 and over um yeah. so there'd be like hun- like about 200 16 17 year old kids paying five pounds in to go to this night where we're where there's five five bands and all of them are playing ace of spades by motorhead and <laughs> and I was I was cash rich for like two years and I didn't make that money again for about another six or seven years I was like walking around the time with like a fucking thrown on like big yeah, gun <laughs> that's rad yeah but did you play um what sort of covers and stuff did you play in in those bands like what were you i'm, I'm assuming you were playing your own stuff at 12 13 yeah i probably i think there are some videos of like i had like two songs that i'd written that we would play um that are very cringy but <clears throat> we would play pink floyd a lot of pink floyd i definitely remember us learning hotel california um my best friend was like insane at guitar so he could literally learn every guitar solo like perfect um could he play freebird and uh huh could he play freebird though i don't think we ever learned freebird <laughs> but we did like everything freebird adjacent you yeah. know like lots of classic rock uh-huh that's yeah. incredible i love that like i love this the idea of me sitting eating my pizza and just somebody like playing a five minute solo and i'm like jesus christ man it's friday night like, <laughs> i know i i hate live music like that's the honest you truth. do live music that i'm not expecting oh right okay yeah yeah, yeah. Like I, I get in a that. restaurant or a bar and you're like oh my god is that a band setting up like are you kidding me I hate that. If you go into a bar, <laughs> if you go into a bar with like a couple of your friends and you just you have met up in a while and you just want to get 
just have a couple of drinks and stuff somebody starts blaring it out over the top like i'm a fan of music but i'm just not a fan of my my shit getting interrupted no uh, like already bars and restaurants just love blasting shit so you just know it's a conversation ender and also you hate when people talk over your music as a musician so you're like why did we come here to talk it's like i i was in nashville once and we were at a bar and of course that's asking for it because every single bar has live music but this was amazing there was like because it to keep the restaurant open to people at the bar it was like a hot dog place or something Mm -hmm. but they didn't want to they wanted underage kids to be able to come to the hot dog place but not the bar so they just had like a chain link fence separating (laughs) it and we were getting hot dogs like we literally just found a random place and like we weren't trying to go to a bar and then a chain so it's like brightly lit hot dog restaurant and then dark bar only separated by a chain link fence and there's a live band and the band starts going it starts playing free fallen and then they got the lead singer is like i'm motherfucking free Free and then every song after that including i'm motherfucking wanted Dead or alive. <laughs> Isn't that like out of the wedding singer? Like that Adam Sandler movie? It's like, turn around. What is it like? I fucking need you more tonight. I fucking need you more than ever. It's Bonnie Tyler. Totally I think I found the, heart. the real life. Maybe it's based on a true story. Maybe it's a biopic. <laughs> about this guy um so like when you were when you were a kid like you obviously like got bit by the music bug um were your folks into good music like when when you were young were you surrounded by it or did you have to like make your own way yeah um my parents were very into music um yeah i like kind of everything that i ended up loving i think the first thing that i really discovered for myself was like elliot smith you know, wow, what a, what, like, a, what a hard one to like, what a like absolutely deep one to discover yourself. Like if you, that's like, uh, <laughs> I don't know, like that's what, that's one of like, cause you're, you're, you're so young. And so like, um, you're like a sponge at that time. So like, if you yeah. go in too deep, which you probably did, that's going to warp you. That's going to warp you for life. If Elliot Smith was your first one. And it did. Yeah. <laughs> in the best way. Yeah. In the best way. But, um, do you know the band Autolux? I don't know. Autolux, they they were on tour with um, like Radiohead. They're very cool. Mm. Um, but weirdly, they all were kind of like in my weird little child scene of like, they were friends with my best friend's parents and um, started like playing drums and stuff at the pizza restaurant with us. <laughs> okay. Um, what a scene. And, Car- and Carla Azar from that band would end up being... Um, the person to show me Elliot Smith. Uh, and then I was like, Bleh. yeah. So you didn't have yeah. like a, you didn't have like a grow growing pains as like a, as you know, as somebody growing up, like I had, like I was into, there was a year where I was into really shit dance music, like, you know, really like heavy, hardcore, high pitch stuff. Um, I definitely, yeah, I definitely have had questionable phases in my, um, musical love career um you you, you kind of sound, sound like yours has been fairly tasteful throughout um no although i will say i missed emo like real hardcore emo and pop punk until i was like 19 like i missed it when everybody was listening to it i was like listening to tame impala and shit when i was like 15 yeah and then 
and then when I was like 19 I was I kind of like ironically got into like Blink 182 and stuff and then fell in love with it yeah. so I had a very late career like <laughs> questionable taste and See, was listening to shit that everybody was over See, I've I've had like a massive like renaissance with um a resurgence, sorry, with Jimmy Eat World. Uh, like Jimmy Eat World were on this podcast a couple of weeks totally, ago. Dude. Uh Jim Adkins on, and I was just like dude, Table for Glasses. Yeah, the Table for Glasses was Table for Glasses was the demo that he played. No way, that's tight. Yeah, I like yeah. I by the way, anybody listen to this, I haven't paid Phoebe to say that. Like um but <laughs> but but yeah, like J- Jimmy Eat World for me, like that was like I got into them when I was like twelve. I think yeah um the bleed america album and uh yeah i was painting my fingernails black for a long time after that not that they were mm-hmm. they they were like the sort of normal guy emo but yeah. the, do you know what i mean like normie but, yeah normcore what is normcore yeah i don't know what normcore is uh, what uh, is normcore yeah what is normcore do you ever see like really hot instagram girls and like ironic like orthopedic shoes oh shit so like they, they were like wearing like like nhs and Smith like glasses, a hat, like a stupid hat and like you know like a baby doll shirt and and whatever like uh-huh. it's just like clothes that normal people would wear but you're wearing them ironically Ah, uh, right okay I, I i get that so like pe- alex g is kind of normcore but i feel like it's genuine you know what I mean? I don't think he gets up in the morning and is like, I'm going to be normcore. <laughs> I think he just dresses super normal and accidentally fell into like a scene. Does that make Mike DeMarco accidentally normcore? <clears throat> I think he is the poster child of normcore. Right. Yeah. Because he's like, even with like, this. I don't know if it's accidental for him. I think he knows that it looks funny when he dresses like, you know, a construction worker. <laughs> I'm Sandra. And I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com achieve today. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. He really does. Like, I remember the first time I played his record on the radio. This is going way, way back, years and years. I was like, he's the first, I remember saying like, he was the first artist that I've ever played who looks like he eats roadkill. Yes, totally. <laughs> I can Absolutely. S- I can see that. I accidentally had a party here once, like Lucy Dacus was playing in town, and I I had never met Mac before, but I, Lucy Dacus was playing, I came home by myself, and then Lucy was like, hey, my hotel is small, could I like have some people at your house? And I was like, okay. And then like, fast forward to like 4am, she was like, it's only be, gonna be like five people, it was like a movie. And then mm. fast forward to 4 a.m. I look outside and, and Mac DeMarco and like eight people, including Alex G, are just like chain smoking cigarettes in my yard. <laughs> that guy is so funny. Like he made me laugh so hard. Yeah. Yeah. 
Mike, he's one of the, he's like a comedian. Like if he if he wants to get out of the music game, like he can just go in. I, I, there was a video on Pitchfork where he went around interviewing people at a festival, and it's still one of the best festival interviews that I've ever seen. Oh wait, yeah, I think I've seen that in, in like Sky Ferreira, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. I'm I'm waiting on that Sky Ferreira album to come. Oh, dude, so tight. <laughs> it has to be. So when did you when did you learn learn guitar? Like what age were you? um yeah probably like 10 or 11 you like and, you're... and i still and I'm still learning guitar like i only really know chords you can you can bust out a solo here and there right like especially with this like there's literally no way but connor tried to get me to do it in better oblivion and i was like just dude no like i'm gonna have like a who was it um nick jonas i'm gonna have like a nick jonas moment if i do this do you remember that where he like soloed <laughs> Do you, and it went viral. Is it a is it a confidence issue or is it a skill thing where you just like you don't want it's to? It's like laziness, honestly. It's probably both. It's like I'm afraid to fail or whatever, but also just like I don't know. I <laughs> I like every time I'm like like for example, quarantine. I like have tons of free time. Mm. And I'm like, I would rather rewatch Gilmore Girls <laughs> than learn scales on guitar right now. <laughs> Um, but I feel like we'll be here long enough. Maybe the day will come. Maybe like next, maybe by the time I go on tour for this fucking record, I'll actually be good at guitar. <laughs> <laughs> are you, are you taking the time to like do different shit? Like I, I, I'm like, I think the first couple of weeks I treated it like Christmas and like drank and ate loads of food and watched loads of TV and put on loads of weight. And then last couple of weeks I'm like, all right, okay, I'm going to be productive. I'm going to do some stuff. I'm going to learn some things. Uh, and I give up cigarettes like during during this whole thing as well, which yeah. has been really really helping. Um, uh, like, w- are you like learning something? Or are you like you're probably doing loads of interviews and stuff because like the like the, the records just around yeah. the corner, right? Yeah, loads of interviews, which is good. It gives me an excuse to get out of bed in the morning. Yeah, thanks but, for doing um, this. Like, it is like half ten, I think, in your time at the minute. Yeah, no, I was like ignoring my alarm for forty five minutes, but uh, yeah, it lets me get out of bed. I have a treadmill. They go on every day. How That's a new development because, like, why would you live in Los Angeles where it's sunny every day and you live close to parks and get a treadmill? But it's changed my life. <laughs> yeah, but, but I, I can't was, imagine I you like reverse. you couldn't. I, I can't imagine you with the tan now. Like, <laughs> do you know what I mean? It's so exactly. off brand. <laughs> no, it's actually a downside of walking outside every summer. I'm like hiding from the sun because there nothing looks worse with bleach blonde hair than like a full on tan. Um, yeah, and uh, so so I got a treadmill, and but the reverse has kind of been happening to me. Where initially I was like, "All right, how long is this gonna last?" Like, I was super super busy, and then I all of a sudden wasn't, and I wrote a song, and I was like reading and whatever. And then I think like last week I was like, "You know what I should do? I should start drinking because I don't really drink." <laughs> I was like, "I'm gonna start drinking, and I'm gonna just watch television." <laughs> so that's uh so so hopefully i'm coming out of it now like i mean you've only done a you've done a week of it like i think that's 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 fine you have you also i assume that like because you've got into um this like you probably haven't gone to college so this like that's probably your college right just drinking for a week yeah exactly yeah i never i never went to college it was never super normalized well, I went to this crazy high school that was like people doing heroin in the bathrooms and stuff. And like all my best friends were on drugs. And I think 
being straight edge was kind of like my rebellion to that. So you like black, you were like Black Flag. You're like the Henry Rollins of the school. Exactly, I was the Henry Rollins of the school, and it was so kitschy. Like everybody would come up to me and be like, "When you smoke weed, do it with me." Like Phoebe's gonna do it with me for the first or whatever. And then, and then I got out of high school and I tried stuff, and I was like, "This is boring." Uh, and then, and so I, I'm not like straight edge anymore, but I'm like, it's always just kind of bored me. And then something about quarantine was like, you know what I should do? Pick up a really unhealthy, distracting habit. And I don't think it's really working. <laughs> Luckily. How do I'm you, like, this still kind of sucks. What do, what are you drinking? Like beer, liquor? No, like white wine because I'm, uh, white trash at, at my roots, white, <laughs> white wine with like ice in it. It's uh, and a and straw. I'm hammered after two and a half glasses of white wine with ice. <laughs> hey, you got it's sh- very un-British of me. I'll say that. Yeah, you gotta, you gotta, you gotta try it out. Like when you're when you're over here. Like anytime I've seen you, actually, you you played my club night. Um, the this yeah. the slacker club night, which I gotta yeah, th- I, I gotta thank you for that because like you drove you drove from like Glasgow or something. Um, while si- yeah. while sick. Uh, I'm pretty sure, like, I, I met you backstage. I think you had the cold or something. I I could, like, so embarrass myself on this podcast right now. And because I said I would, I think I will. I may or may not have shit my pants on stage at your club night. What? <laughs> <laughs> like, like, there's this picture of me from that night, which is, like, very hairy. And I have this, like, my guitar player and I have this, like, ongoing riff about it because i was like i was literally like shaking and sweating i must have had like food poisoning or something i slept on the label couch for like eight hours afterwards but (laughs) he like sent me this picture from that night that some photographer took that's like beautiful like i'm literally like glowing yeah and like he looks great he looks like epic and then and like i just have this like very like glow about me and he was like he was like, I can't believe you look like that. Like as you were like probably shitting your pants. That's, I mean, like if that isn't the dichotomy of your music, like then I don't know. <laughs> I don't know what is. That's like fucking hell. Like that. That's up there with like the best story that's ever happened at my club night. Like it, it's a good thing I, I closed it like um a couple of months ago because like I, that would never be beat. Yeah, no, you can't, you can't live that down, dude. Yeah, I, I thank God it's never been repeated for me. I think the closest thing, I had food poisoning, and we had like, and I was gonna, I was on tour in like Florida or something, and we kept a trash can like hidden on the side of the stage, and I was, I was gonna like book it to that if I had to like vomit. I've but done the same, the, but I never did. I, 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 you're, I, you're the first, and hopefully the last. <laughs> <laughs> I'm gonna set my club night up and, and get you to come play for like an underplay for like the next record. Just, just, just to see. I'll give you like a beer. There'll be like loads of laxatives going. Hey, <laughs> see if it's a curse. Yeah. <laughs> wow! Holy shit! You heard it here first. <laughs> <laughs> this just did. Is that is that the worst thing that's happened to you on stage? Yes. Yeah, I mean, like, there's no, there's nothing worse. Because everything else like people talking or like someone throwing something like I've never been like victimized by a crowd before like the worst thing that's ever happened is like someone like people ignoring me yeah you know like it's just kind of loud but but I've never really been booed um I once I like this has happened to me before where I'm so lost in thought that I'll like repeat 
entire halves of songs and then halfway through kind of realize that I'm playing the same shit over and over like I get on this weird like dementia loop of mm-hmm. of a song and I'm trapped and I look around and the whole band is like staring at me with wide eyes like when is she gonna figure it out um <laughs> but yeah that's all again pretty like normal stuff I think I think that's the whole situation definitely uh beats it so like that 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 time that you um released the around that time you released the record you were like one of the hardest working people in the world like you were you were literally going all around the world and playing everywhere and playing every club night and shitting yourself all all around the world um but like like the graft was like seriously real and it was very sort of similar to the 1975 i thought because i remember like playing them just when i was starting out my career in radio um that they were traveling the world and almost when they came home uh, off that tour they'd become a massive like they like when they went away they were like a couple of people knew them like it was like fairly indie then they come home afterwards and like for some reason it's massively kicked off like the, <laughs> what, what what was that moment for, for you that like it, it started to snowball um i still like it's i feel very lucky because every time i get on stage and there are tons of people i'm like oh my god like it's still kind of uh, the snowballing feeling is still happening um like mirrors last year that was crazy that was the biggest show i ever played and mirrors the first year right after i put out my record i remember this guy at the label who i love and didn't know that this was like maybe kind of a backhanded compliment comes up to me and is like he was like phoebe there was a line around the block and then and then people knew the words (laughs) this is the guy from the label you're like yeah and i was like wait you're supposed to like say that you knew that was going to happen this whole time or whatever (laughs) um but that was that was really fun that was like the first time anybody saying my words back to me and that was sweet yeah you got like an affinity over here in the uk i i love that i love the uk there's a lot of like um artists careers have kind of started here and moved backwards like what what way has it worked for you because i know like with the killers and the strokes off the top of my head they, they kind of made a little, little dent here before they could in the U.S. and then almost worked backwards. Yeah, I think that was weirdly the plan. And, and it was a compliment to you guys. It was like, all right, get this. Like, people in the U.K. and Europe just, like, like music more, basically. And they'll, like, buy vinyl. They like new stuff. Um, and, and they'll, like, pay attention to you if you're at Rough Trade or whatever. And so we were like, all right, let's do, like, a Euro press trip. Um, so it was actually kind of like a plan. It was like, all right, like I had gone on tour with Connor Oberst in the beginning of 2017 in January. And I called my manager and was like, oh my God, like they love songwriters over here. <laughs> <laughs> never- like we do like. Yeah. Um, and that And that was so cool. Like I remember, I think my first favorite show that I ever played that was before my record came out was at the palladium yeah that was, that was with with, yeah i was meant to be at that one and i couldn't make it and i went to the one after and i was like oh, i hope phoebe's like because you did quite a lot of shows with him like you did yeah. you did more than one tour right yeah i but i think only one in europe and then and then we would tour a couple times in the u.s mm-hmm. uh, yeah because like I, I missed that missed out on that one um but yeah, like there, there was something to me when when I heard uh, the the album in full, 
because I was a massive Bright Eyes fan, massive Conor Oberst fan. I actually like his Mystic Valley yeah. band stuff, and I like his solo stuff better than Bright Eyes, which is a controversial opinion to a lot of people. I agree. Yeah, I, I, I totally agree. It's just, I think changing your band name, you inherently just like lose a lot of fans, you know, especially if you like, he's one, I feel like he rode the emo scene on accident and then, and it's just such a more complex songwriter than that. So then when he left it to do like alt country records and folk records, people were like, what? Like, why don't you have fucking eyeliner on anymore? You know? <laughs> <laughs> yeah he also like completely like cha- he almost like changed the way he sang as well he like kind of lost that like rasp that he had at the <laughs> yeah. at the start which i was never mad fond of at the first place anyway like but um but they, when i heard your music it filled that like dark septic hole in my heart that he used to fill <laughs> and that this one kind of came came along and sat along with it and i was like yes thank god it's been a long time <laughs> thanks dude um so then you guys like um obviously like you know we ended up working together with let me see if i can remember off the top of my head better oblivion community center i was yes, just like it's like job. it's like the last Arctic monkeys album it's like can you remember it off the top of your head i know i was like he came up with that band name and i was like are you sure it's like probably the least uh memorable <laughs> band name of all time like it's funny we were talking about about connor because like you, you guys have obviously like got such a great like musical personal relationship i don't know if personal relationship but definitely a musical relationship um where it works so well and i saw on your twitter um it was like alexa and I'll, and you got somebody asked how tall is connor oberst how tall is he it's the echo it says i think it says he's two and a half feet tall <laughs> two feet two if you ask the tall. amazon echo how tall he is it says two and a half feet which is my favorite thing uh, it, it really is amazing like that's like next level trolling whoever did that is an absolute it's g so good <laughs> i love it um so like the the um the boy genius stuff like you've been doing as well like have you just been jumping from project to project before before this record yeah well weirdly i was supposed to make my solo record in june of 2018 um like my second record like this record uh and then weirdly like connor and i had written a bunch of songs and it was like the only time we were both off tour and we're like all right like fuck that i'll just do better oblivion like while we both can and figure out when to do my next record and then boy genius we were like we should release a single for tour um and i'll get together and record and then it accidentally was a band and they were both recorded in june um so it they totally happened accidentally and then tour kind of makes it seem like you know like more planned out but yeah they were totally like well i guess we have to tour you know <laughs> did you want did you want to tour like was it just like a studio oh, project totally. yeah both were like both were like summer camp like so fun i i i uh have been like going back and hurting my own feelings with like tour photos i miss it does it make you did it change you like in, when you came to approach like the second the second record like what 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 were the like the good parts of both projects that you've taken into your own shit um with boy genius it's just like literally my exact peers like we're all the exact same age and we basically have the exact same job so it was so crazy like talking to someone with like mirrored experience mm-hmm. um and i think we just let ourselves like i think we could say shit to each other that we wish people had said to us like you can shred on this part it's not corny and like very supportive and awesome and then and then the connor thing was just like 
he had never written songs top to bottom with another person ever really entire record ever wow okay like um, that's 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 shocking i never knew that yeah because he he writes all his own stuff and even mystic valley and stuff was like a lot of other people's songs um and and he's had you know help or whatever but we wrote the entire thing like next to each other on tour um instead of like sending demos back and forth so it was much more of like a band whereas boy genius was like five days of like oh my god i have this little idea like more manic yeah and then that's fun and then better oblivion was written over like a year and a half of like going on and off tour like you know we live in different places so like you know i'm in la for 10 days like let's write another one of those songs and then we ended up with with 10 and we're like let's make a record it's weird, like the, you, the the little bit of you that's the itch to go, let's spend five days recording songs for the fun of it. Like a year later, 18 months later means that you have to like go away from home for like three months. I know. Isn't that weird? I know, it's so weird. There's, some, so weird. there's something to be said about like people encouraging you to like try different things or just encouraging you to go like, you know, shred a little bit here and there. Like a lot of the time, some uh, some of the best music is made when people are trying to make other people laugh so like almost like the jokey bits and songs that you think this will never ever make it into this piece of music turns out becoming actually something iconic like 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 do do, you have you ever like done joke bits in your songs before where you're like actually this is brilliant every day i mean it's all over this new record um i i like now I know like a bunch of Connors inside jokes and I hear it in like old bright eyes. Like it's just to make somebody laugh. Boy genius. That was the whole idea. We were like, what if you did this? And then the other person would say like, that's actually a cool idea. Like Mm. let's do it. Is there like any, Um, is there any Easter eggs across your records that like people might hear? Well, I like scream on it. That was like initially guttural, like, like really really loud screaming and then it ends with like fake crowd noises it's like (laughs) and i was trying to make people laugh and it ended up on the record um i like that yeah i'm sure there's other stuff Mm -hmm. like inside jokes when um when you're on tour and you know like you can kind of consistently have been for quite a long time I've I've always got the vibe that you're probably and you can tell me if I'm wrong and tell me to get bent like but like you give me the vibe that like you're like into like true crime podcasts and stuff like that deeply yes like what what are the ones you listen to I listen to my favorite murder a lot it's my favorite one mm-hmm. by far I know 1975 too um they yeah I like I feel like revitalized when they have like a new episode it's just like it's just the right amount of funny. Like some of them are just really insensitive, honestly. <laughs> like it's funny because I am really into true crime in like a sick, dark way, but it does seem like very, they do a lot of outreach for like victims' rights and, and like. I think they um, have to. <laughs> yeah, I would totally. Yeah. But like, but so many people don't. Mm. So many people are just like, it's like a novel when actually like it happened to a real person. Um, so I think they're the right amount of funny and the totally right amount of respectful and like give back and they have like real cops talking and just so many like I don't know I feel like the fan base the fan base is very respectful too like they don't really get people who are um who are making light of it at all it's not a hundred percent murder porn like there is a sort of heartbeat behind it yeah exactly are you the sort of person and there are other ones 
that are our kind of murder porn that I will like dip my toe in and then I'm just like I feel weird mm. like that's just my favorite one but I do watch like cold case files and whatever whenever it's on cable um I got and it's just so dated I've never watched cold case files before until before I was in uh, I was in New York about a year a year ago and I'd been out for St. Patrick's Day obviously and uh <laughs> and um i was just lying in bed the next day and like the tv was in front of me and i was like oh I'll stick something on i just i love watching ad- adverts like american adverts are absolutely amazing like because like one will be take this pill this pill will make you amazing and then the ad straight after has this pill made you ill uh call us yeah. <laughs> and, make us death yeah <laughs> um, cause you to lose every single friend you've ever made and i watched cold case files and i was absolutely obsessed i watched about six hours of it back to back and then started watching it online as well have you um have you watched the tiger king the joe exotic thing yes. on netflix yes i have uh do you yes. did you know and if you don't know this will be this will break your heart did you know that he doesn't sing those songs joe the the tiger king joe exotic the singer of it is not him he has nothing to do i with feel him. i feel a little bit validated by this because when the songs would come on i'd be like that's not his voice mm. no like I, yeah exactly but a part of me wanted to believe that like he was like a rad country singer as well totally totally <laughs> yeah no the the wow my my image of him is so shattered yeah as if he wasn't like an absolute knob (laughs) already um the the 1975 um kind of like like the bromance between you two is is really great to see because i absolutely i'm a, a massive fan of them guys and have known them for an awfully long time and i'm a big fan of yours too um how did the relationship between you and Maddie fire up? He's he's mad for sliding into the DMs, isn't he? Yeah, he's mad for slide sliding into the DMs, and he definitely did with me. Um, and then we just sent like really absurdist memes back and forth for like <laughs> months. Yeah, and then every once in a while there'd be like a demo. Well, I feel like, like this like, is amazing. He would write for, to you, or you would write to him, or how would that work? He would write to me with demos. I don't think I ever sent him a demo. Or actually, he 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 complimented my funeral song or something, and I sent him a video of Better Oblivion playing it on tour where Connor screams it like a punk song. Yeah. But but other than that, it was only 1975 demos, and I was just so, like, yeah. And also now listening back to the record, their record, I'm like, oh my god, I remember when this song was like a half idea. Like they really are just like there's no there's no like magic behind them writing like bangers left and right it's literally just like they're a great band they just you know what i mean like, yeah, it was, like yeah. some some weird like guitar line he was like i'm gonna turn this into something and then two weeks later it'd be like this full on pop song they're like they're, they're just they're just restless and talented at the same time and you yeah and that and that makes a great band i also really enjoy the fact that they give no shits about cohesion of sound i love it as they in give no shits and they give no shits like they talk about someone who's like you know he, he doesn't even have any separation between jokes and lyrics anymore like things that i have to dare myself to do that band is like no we're gonna say masturbate right now <laughs> you know what i mean <laughs> like yeah we're but gonna do it i mean you're not far behind right no not at all it just takes a minute it takes like three days of like i think i can say that and and maddie's like Actually, he was like, you should write a, a verse about, like, eating ass. 
And I was like, what? Yeah. And he was like, totally not kidding. <laughs> yeah. Did you? I couldn't do it. No, I, I, don't, I, tried. I, I don't think I could do it. Like the, the, I tried and failed. The archetype for me, like um, in terms of like writing funny lyrics and thinking, going, why did they ever write that? Was was Morrissey like in, in the Smiths? This is like, like I'm talking, it's, it's hard to talk about Morrissey in a modern context because he was so great when uh so great as a lyricist totally. but he's such a fucking cretin now that he's they completely my wrecked friend, him. my friend christian has a lyric where he's like uh he says morrissey apologist <laughs> i love that <laughs> that i mean that's that's kind of like what smith's fans really are right now like i mean it's hard it, that's, totally. sad, that's sad to say because like they're one of my favorite bands of all time best best bass yeah. player best guitarist best Totally. Uh, l- lyricist and probably best drummer off a sp- specific era and they hammered out four albums in like five four or five years it was I know. Like, legends it was like it was like, like why yeah it was like the beatles gone emo <laughs> but from manchester yeah, yeah totally <laughs> um so, so the the new album's called it's is, is it like i might be wrong on this but the new album's called punisher yeah i mean that's like that's a sick name like that, that i mean it makes it sound like it just makes it sound like a death metal record, doesn't it? it that's what I wanted. Yeah. I'm glad you think that. Yeah, well, it does. Like, and I can, I can see, I can see the the album cover of just being one of those like metal logos that you can't read. Mm-hmm. Totally. <laughs> um. So I think that's pretty much like, yeah, that's pretty much all, all all we all we got time for on the on the podcast. Um. Right now, I I think. Like, you absolutely blew my mind with that slacker story and i never knew and like how long ago how long ago was that like three years ago two years three years it probably is three years ago at this stage like i think i like blacked it out and this is the first time (laughs) i've been able to like really face it you know without like without my like true friends yeah it's uh i'm i'm ready i'm ready to like look it in the face and be like dark times it's come good. A long way, you you got to walk you got to walk through the fear sometimes. You got to look at it in the exactly. eye and just battle exactly. it battle it out. Just I'm looking at I'm looking at time in my life straight in the <laughs> eye. <laughs> I like to think that I played a part in one of the worst periods that you ever had on stage. <laughs> I, I don't get to say that very often. I remember I, one of the one final thing I remember about that show is like you you like you said said thanks um for for getting you on the show and then played um motion sickness and like the lyrics of it and I, and I was just like because it starts with I hate you and I was like going fucking hell if all the songs like, <laughs> I wasn't awesome. like I was still wasn't even sure I was like going I don't know whether like she actually meant that or not I was like going ah, it doesn't matter it sounded great it doesn't who cares um well a testament to you is that the I was like you guys I'm really sick and they got and everybody everybody in the uk was like this is really cool like you're gonna want to do this and i'm so glad that i did but i was like i was like i'm sick and they were like if there was a thing to not be sick for it's the show um yeah so i'm glad yeah well like to be to be fair like if i had known you were that sick i would have been like phoebe go home like you know go and (laughs) go go and lie go and lie down like dripping like beads of sweat yeah exactly mush more more um uh, th- thank you for um give, give me an hour of your time and um i like genuinely cannot wait to hear um the new record because like i've i've like reached that point with stranger to the Alps now of like uh, if i play it again like i will become it like i will i will be i will be sapped on to 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 it digitally 
Um, so, and, and the thing is, like, there's been enough distance between that record and this one for me to go, right, I, I think I need something new now. Well, thanks, dude. Wicked. I'm excited. All right, well, I I'll, I'll, I mean, I'll approach with caution next time I, I, I see you in the UK, but... <laughs> I'll be honest next time. Yeah, big time. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> um yeah thanks thanks for your time good luck with everything and um yeah yeah it's gonna be amazing thanks dude all right later Ooh.